Welcome. To oh, hang on to film. Sorry, can we start again? <laughs> yeah, I guess we have to. Welcome to film shapes the podcast. Welcome to film shapes the podcast. Can I can I be really fussy? So what I'm thinking, Farazad? <laughs> <laughs> don't wait for me to finish. Why did I choose shapes? <laughs> Let's just try one more. One all right, more. all right. Welcome to film Shapes. podcast. <laughs> right, all right. Okay, the one, one before that be good. Than that. I don't know. Well, yeah, okay. I'm, and by good, I'm I mean good. terrible and hilarious, but therefore yeah. good. Okay. Choose life. Choose a job. Choose a career. Choose a family. Choose a fucking big television. Choose washing machines, cars, compact displays, and electrical tin openers. Well, hi, folks. Uh, this is the uh, Podstable Roundtable Part 2, um, which is really all about listener questions. When I say listener, well, you'll find out it's a couple of you guys, and with me tonight, it's Parazad. Hi. Hello. And Ben, hello. Hello. And Rolly again. How are you going, mate? Very well. I must say, Shady, you sound you sound kind of good tonight. Really? You sound I, very. You can't sound quite quite smooth. Somehow. I almost have. I think I've got a little bit of a throat thing, and I'm worried it's <laughs> COVID. Like, so it's like a new radio voice that I'm hearing or something. <laughs> yeah, it's I was going to say radio presenter. Jesus, mm. it, it's an accident. So um, anyway, look, um, let's go for it. Number one, this is from somebody called Parazad. So actually, why don't you kick off with this one, Parazad? This question is, this is, what's a popular, well-known or classic film you haven't seen or were very late to? Okay, hit us with it. All right. Um, so I asked this question because I was curious about everyone's answers. And then I was like, oh no, what's my answer? Mm. Um, so my answer is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, and it's one that I haven't seen. And it ended up being my answer because I was just going through a list. I did the, the classic Googling mm. of just, you know, popular films. I started with a list of the highest grossing films, but that was just an about 50 movies of just sequels and spin-offs and you know, right. superhero franchises. And so I, I steered clear of that. Um, but mm. yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off came up and it was it's one that I think I've heard references to throughout my life. Mm. And I still have no idea what the movie is about other than the fact that it's about a guy named Ferris Bueller taking a day off. I presume a day off school, but I'm st I'm not even sure about that. <laughs> mm, wow, okay. that does pretty much sum it up exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Can you describe I, the emptiness that you feel for not seeing this film? Well, I don't really feel any emptiness, <laughs> mm. but that's because perhaps having not seen it, I don't know what I'm missing out on. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's also it's one of those films that almost everyone just automatically assumes that you've seen. Yeah. I feel true. like I should see it. Um, it's but yeah, completely it's up just, to you. you know, this, it's also one of those films that, uh, I've spoken to a lot of people that 
saw it back in the 80s and their view on seeing it again now is completely different. Mm. Yeah. I, um, yeah I, I don't think I'd watch it again. I will say this is a film that was very, very important to me as I'm going to say a 10 or 11-year-old child. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a film that I saw, I think, on Channel 7 or Channel 10 one night. And uh, I saw it at the exact right age where it was like I was starting to go through the psychological state of like rebelling against the family and my parents, you know, the, the mm. developmental stage that all young people go through. Um, and it presents such a benign form of rebellion <laughs> that it's like it's a totally non-threatening form of like reacting against the system that as an 11 year old you're like yes mm. yeah yeah take it down school and as an adult like it is a film that still holds a like dear place in my heart but it's also one which is uh looking back at it now ferris bueller kind of a monster Kind mm. of a bad person. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much what I was <laughs> getting at before with the um, the the different take that people have on it as an older person. But yeah, all, all you got to do is just sing to yourself in the shower and talk to an um, imaginary camera. Yeah, because okay. that was the whole thing. That was the that breaking of the third wall. No, fourth wall. Fourth, fourth wall. wall. Fourth. Yeah. Uh, you know that <laughs> that happened in that movie. Probably as kids, a lot of us hadn't seen that before in a film. So it was okay. kind of so, so Parazad, you, you've seen the Deadpool films, haven't you? Yes. I think at the end of one of those, he does the bit from Ferris Bueller. Is that right, guys? Does, oh, yeah. that's quite yeah. possible, yeah. Oh, okay. I have contacts for that now. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, Parazad. Um, Next up, Ben. Um, so there's, there is a litany of classic films that I have not seen that I'm quite embarrassed about. I, I believe on one of the, I, I think the last year end show, I revealed that I'd just seen Citizen Kane for the first time. Yes, that's right. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, which, Hey, I still recommend. Uh, yeah. I think, I don't know if you guys have heard this Citizen Kane, great film. Pretty good, isn't it? Um, yeah. but the one, the one that came up recently for me, because, um, my, my dad invited me along to a, I think, 40th anniversary screening of it, which I was unable to make because I waited too long to book tickets, mm. is The Godfather. Oh. Yeah, I've never seen The God. I've seen Godfather 2, um, <laughs> which is a film I think about like once a week. Mm, but I've right. never seen the original Godfather. Wow. Okay. So hang on, you, you're going to see it soon or you've just... Oh well, I, I was going to see it, but yeah. then I waited too long to book ah. a ticket, and then the screening sold out. This was in so the, I'm, I'm the, still... the back lot, right? It's... No, this wasn't a back lot. This was um, Palace in the city was doing oh, a screening. Really? Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, I'd, I'd recommend getting to it. I, I know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like every part of uh, film history that I've ever studied has told me. This yeah. is one of the good ones. Mm. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, nice. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Rolly. This reminded me that I've, I think we've done this question before in the past. And yep. my, as soon as I came up with the answer, I thought that's what clicked my memory because we've oh. had this conversation before. Because maybe, it's uh, a, maybe a conversation, but I don't think on one of these pods. Well, well you did actually do a series of episodes of this podcast, uh, 
called You Mean You Haven't Seen. Thank you. You're absolutely right. I had completely forgotten about that. So you mean I haven't seen Train Spotting? Yes, there it is again. Let's have this conversation again. You've talked to me about this many times. Yes, you fool, you you bloody bumbling idiot. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, uh, yeah, no great desire to see it either. Um, I think it's kind of gone and uh, there's, there's no point now. Or is there? Well, in Ben's um, sort of form, why don't you go and see Train Spotting Two, and then decide after that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's I'll also give it pretty good. Thought. I will give it some thought. Ah, so you're not you're not going to chase it down? Um, no, it's not on my list of priorities. No, it's pretty good. It it's is. A, it's a yeah. fun movie. Like it's about heroin addiction, but like it's a fun movie about heroin. I think that's addiction. that's the problem at the time. Like I I knew uh, a lot of people that uh, were getting into heroin at the time. Not a lot of people, but a few. And there was this kind of thing around the movie being really cool, and I, I always kind of uh, yeah. blamed the movie for for people getting onto heroin, like a, yeah, okay. like a, a classic, uh, you know, just connect the dots type situation. It's like oh, I'm not really sure I need to see this film. Or maybe I was worried I that I might get on heroin. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, know. to be honest, heroin was doing most of the heavy lifting and getting those people into heroin. <laughs> yes. The film doesn't really <laughs> sell yeah. you on heroin. From what I understand, it, it's a pretty good feeling. Yeah. Okay. Watching that film is too. Um, listen, I think it's one of the films that defines the 90s, actually. That and probably Pulp Fiction and some other things that I could, could have to, oh, I'd have to write something about this, but... Yeah, I, I think it's it's up there. So, okay. I, I, well, what have you got? Well, I've got two here that I haven't seen on it. I probably never will, and one that I think I might try to. Um, first is Titanic. I've never seen that. Mm. Um, and, I have and, regrets and about seeing that. You do? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't want to. I don't think. Um, Forrest Gump. I've never seen. Oh wow! Can't be, can't be bothered with that. And um, Rebel Without a Cause. James Dean, Natalie Wood, um, Hopper, maybe? Mm. Anyway, yeah, that's a film that I'd like to get to, but I just, for some reason, I've always missed it. But... I feel like yeah, you so... really should see uh, Forrest Gump, at least. Why? I think it's it's just one of those films that, and it's not my favourite film, and, you know, I'm not a Tom Hanks fan at all, mm. but I just feel like it's it's one of those films was in, that it was so important at the time and it just kind of yeah it was just a an important piece of popular culture really that someone such as yourself that has a film blog and a podcast about <laughs> film really owes it to yourself to see this classic well-known so we're not we're not going to do this this um sort of saber rattling stuff where i say i'll see that if you see train spotting that's i was going to suggest that <laughs> <laughs> no let's leave it I'd prefer to settle it with a jewel. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, they both involve drug addiction in in major ways. That's true. Oh, really? Is it is it drug addiction in Forrest Gump? Mm. Yeah, well, there is a bit. It's almost. You, you wouldn't know that Forrest if you haven't. Gump. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I haven't. Yeah, no idea about it. Okay, it, uh, it's a it's a well put together film. Like you can't deny it. Even not wanting to like it, you you kind of have to buy into it a little bit. I found I watched it again recently with um with the family, and you know having the yeah showing uh-huh. it to you kids. Uh, you know, the young one thought it was pretty cool actually. Right. 
Yeah, it's something I'll put on the back burner for now. But thanks. <laughs> okay, Boris. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> exactly. All right, number two. Question number two. This is from Wayne. You remember Wayne, don't you, Parazad? I do remember Wayne. Yeah. All right, so his question is, what film featured a concept you just couldn't get your head around? Uh, I think he said his was Inception. Uh, oh, yeah. So let's go. Um, ben, do you want to kick this one off? All right, well, I'll follow that thread, and I'm going to say Tenet. Mm. Um, you know, I've got, I, I love time travel movies. I had no problem at all with Primer, even though that is a film in which you could not discern any information from the dialogue, which right. is actually very true of Tenet as well. Um, yeah. But I, look, I've watched it twice. I have like read up on how the backwards forward stuff works, mm. and I just can't keep the whole concept of it in my mind at once in a way yes. that makes the film cohere into a sensical whole. Did, could, could, did, you, did you enjoy the film, though? Oh, I enjoyed parts of it. I enjoyed just, like, the Christopher Nolan-ness of it all, mm. you know, like cars and action set pieces and, like, you know, and it looks nice. Yep. But I, I just, I was like, I have no idea how any of, what is going on informs any other aspect of what is going on in the rest yeah, of the okay. film. Uh, if that film kind of relies on that to an extent, the fact that bit, nobody yeah. can hold it all in their head at, at one time, because if they did, they might actually see the flaws in, in the time <laughs> travel, which, you know, is always the fun part to pick out in films like that. But yeah, I, yeah, mm. I agree, but I, I still enjoyed the film. Even I was quite content not to understand it and hold it all at once. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah, I must admit yeah, that's that is a good one, though. Yeah. probably also mm. a good answer to question one for me. A popular film I have not seen oh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Is it a classic tenet? Would you would you give it that, Ben? Oh, I wouldn't say it's a classic. I mean, of like if like if we could say that Christopher Nolan could have one classic from his entire career, I would not say that Tenet was the one. Mm, um, which one, Ben? Oh God! Um, <laughs> I guess the Dark Knight. Yeah, I was going to um, say that too. Just in okay. terms of like being the most satisfying of his films. Mm, okay. Um. All right, Rolly. How about you? Yeah, I hope someone uh, else can back me up on this because it was a long time since I saw it. But uh, it was I saw it on Netflix. I'm going to go with the Dream Logic of I'm Thinking of Ending Things, the 2020 oh, yeah. psychological thriller by Charlie Kaufman. Okay, you did tell me about this, but you you, it was, you, you recommended it, but without – I think you wanted me to watch it so I'd be annoyed. I think that's right. <laughs> exactly. Right? It was yeah. a trick. I was trying to trick you into that's watching it. Right. because it, yeah. It's Didn't just one work. of those films that has so much potential. At the beginning, I was, I was quite excited and watching, thinking, oh, this is, this is a little bit different. This is going to be – it would be really interesting, but it kind of, it kept changing. Like she'd walk out of a room and, and the actor that was playing the mum suddenly a different person. And oh. there was all just this weird stuff that started happening that didn't make sense. But there was, it was frust so frustrating because there seemed to be an actual film there, but instead they just kind of, yeah, went with this dream, dream sequency kind of thing. And it went for two and a half hours or something as well, which, yeah. you know, as you know, I'm not a fan of, but um, I think See, there was a, there was some sort of strange theatre scene at the end with tap dancing, and it basically just got uh, it, it was like a 
Yeah, it made, all the threads didn't tie together at the end. They basically just frayed out into nothingness. That was uh, the impression I was left. Okay. Could not dig it. Had, have you guys, anyone seen that? Uh, I, I got like halfway through it and it wasn't the fact that I couldn't follow the dream logic that was a problem. Cause like, that's fine. Uh, it was the fact that just the stilted, awkward conversation between the, like the couple in the film reminded me of the last period of every bad relationship I've ever had. But I was like, <laughs> I can't, I can't keep watching this. This is, this is too real. If anything. Uh, okay. Yeah, I guess the, the not being able to get my head around was the idea that this is making the film better rather than, yeah. I, I mean, you mm -hmm. can, you, I could buy into the idea that it's, it's dreamlike, but uh, I don't buy the idea that that it's, it's kind of uh, makes it better somehow. Like it just, it spoiled it for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, Parazad. Uh, yeah, mine, it's two films. Um, the second and third sequels to The Matrix. Um, I still don't okay. know what happened in those movies. I've seen them, I think, twice each. I know I've seen one of them multiple times. And it's kind yeah. of similar to, to Ben's answer. I, I enjoyed parts of those films. I enjoyed the action and, you know, the, the special effects and all of that fun stuff. Um, but... One of the things I loved about the first Matrix was the actual story behind it. It was so different and something I hadn't really considered before. And despite being a bit mind-bending, it was followable. You know, you could mm. watch it and understand it. Whereas 2 and 3 got convoluted for the sake of being convoluted, or at least that's what it felt like. Um to the yeah. point where, to this day, if you ask me what happened in those two movies, I don't know. It involved the Matrix. There was some shooting. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I remember a good uh, freeway chase scene, and mm. that's about, about it. And two uh, two blonde twins or something. I remember. That any sense? Yeah, yeah I remember the twins. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like the things I remember from those movies are the action sequences, not the narrative. Whereas for the first sure. film, I loved the action sequences and that as well, but I, it lasted and that movie stayed with me because of the narrative. Hmm. Okay. Did you, uh, did you see Matrix 4? Did. I actually quite enjoyed that one. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So guys, um, my, I've got I've got about three. I couldn't break these three down. Uh, first one, it's another Kaufman film, Rolly. It's um, Synecdoche, New York, if that's the correct pronunciation. Synecdoche. Yeah, that was just fucking. What? Where is this going? What? What's happening here? I just I, I know someone who thinks it's their favorite film, and I, I can't quite <laughs> follow that. But I like that you say it's not their favorite film. It's they think it's their favorite film. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really know. Did I say that? I, I I, okay, I didn't mean to say that, but maybe that's what I meant. Um, uh, the other one, uh, the other, well, the second one, Mulholland Drive, David Lynch. Um, oh, yeah. I had to read something about this, and I'm still, even the, the, the write-up in this book that I'm reading was, you know, reasonably well done. I still, I'm still baffled. Um, 
but even, there are. Even David Lynch says that film is not meant to make sense. Oh, okay. Well, that's quite helpful. <laughs> um, it was okay. It looked, it looked nice anyway. Um, the one that I actually like the most out of these confusing films is called Enemies. Anyone seen this? It's Denny Villeneuve. Oh, is that the... Um, uh, yeah, I, I know the one you mean. It ends with an incredible shot. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. ending's fantastic. It's, it, it's Jake Gyllenhaal um, playing, playing, well, he's a doppel of himself doppelganger mm. of himself and he uh, yeah I, it, it's all pieced up and i read a great article that seems to think it's actually filmed in um like a jigsaw film it's not chronological and, and then as i read this i thought oh i can see it now like he's taken the beginning and put that somewhere in the middle and the end near the end is kind of at the start and all it's yeah it, but it's still um it still works even though it's bloody confusing so I'd, uh, I'd, I'd check that out. It's, it's good fun, actually. Enemy, that's called. Um, a nice one. Right, number three. Number three. What's the order for this? Let's go with Rolly first. Rolly, oh, what's, what, yeah, go what's, Sorry, your, go what's your dream film adaptation that isn't a book or TV show? This comes from Ben. Thank you, Ben. This is, this is a tricky question, isn't it? I because know, yes. Oh my God! What is it? it? It can't be a book and it can't be a TV show. What am I going? What can it be? Just like a thought or something? I don't know. Like that, my <laughs> mind just went to uh, songs at first. Okay. I thought maybe like maybe you could do like a a sort of a Bob Dylan song like Tangled Up in Blue, and it could be just a kind of gritty kind of philadelphia romance or something but then i thought i wouldn't actually want to see that probably <laughs> oh okay um so then i thought oh what, what about uh what about something a bit different we were talking about discord before um mm. and i'm quite aware of a lot of the dramas that play out on these servers and things and i'm thinking ah. could you could someone make a film that had a story from a from actual discord and somehow make it interesting because there's definitely a lot of interesting stuff that goes on here right there's there's the whole uh, narrative arcs that go on and, um, and people uh, becoming friends, people losing friendships, romances, all the drama that goes with, uh, with this and big mm. arguments. I, th I think it could, could be really interesting, maybe. But then I thought uh, maybe that's a little bit too out there. Um, and I ended up landing on what I would like to see potentially would be a... Uh, a filmic version of the Beatles' "A Day in the Life" song. Oh, okay. Because that could that could go any number of directions, depending really? on if you had a good director. It would be great to see uh, different directors come up with their own films and just please, how... please remind us of the the story here. Oh well, is is there a story? Mm, no, it's kind of um, it's kind of a bit of a pastiche of little vignettes, really. Um, it's it goes from Paul McCartney getting out of bed and combing his hair, and uh, meanwhile John Lennon is singing about um, the guy that has the car crash. And oh God, I'm trying to remember the the actual lyrics of the song now. Um, do you know? Are you familiar with the song? With any of these songs I'm talking about, Shady? Not the not not the Dylan one, but I know of 
I, I think I know that. You'd have to sing a bit for me, Roland. I read the news today, oh, oh boy. Yeah, sure. About a lucky man who made the grade. Yes, yes, that, yes. All okay. that. So it's really, um, I don't know, it could go anywhere. But yeah, uh, okay. I, mean, I thought I'd be very curious what someone would do with like, that. You're saying the song is vignettes. Am I right in thinking that it's like, like it changes tone and time signature and stuff pretty dramatically. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of yeah. and there's a lot of orchestral stuff in the background and it it goes from one scene to another a, a lot of you know in a way a lot like editing does in a movie yeah so i think it's already a very filmic kind of mm. idea yeah nice. like a, like a terence malick film or something it's just kind of like going from from interlinked idea to interlinked idea without necessarily having a com- like clear through line and um mm. yeah yeah and so you, and, uh, which, so you, you you say terence malick for that ben i was thinking someone more like richard Ayoade. oh yeah <laughs> which, i don't know there's quite a gap there isn't there but, yeah richard uh, Ayoade, who directed the double which is very similar to enemy yes there we go yeah, yeah. all comes back okay. around mm-hmm. okay thanks rolly good good call um who's going to be next here parasite Oh, I had a feeling you were going to go with me. Um, yeah. Okay, so I have multiple answers to this because I got uh-huh. very confused. Um, I was originally going to go with um, a video game. Um, and when I, most of the video games that I know and love are very narrative driven. And then I saw in the the chat that we were posting that it, narrative games are out. So I was like, all right, forget that. <laughs> And then I, I was yeah. going to do a very tongue-in-cheek, um, you know, what about, like, Candy Crush or something. Um, but, actually, um, it's kind of just come into my head now, and I'll kind of explain the train of thought behind it. I would like to see a movie based off a particular Dungeons & Dragons game. Um, have any of you watched a YouTube channel called Critical Role? Yep. Yeah. Nope. No. Okay. So. <laughs> if anyone was going to be doing it, that was, it's going to be Ben. If it was any of us, uh, it ben. ben, have you watched Campaign 2? No, I have not. Okay. So I won't give away too much, but it's basically a YouTube channel that meets weekly and they play Dungeons and Dragons and they record it and stream it. Um, but all of the people who do it are voice actors. So it's very narrative driven and it's very well performed, um, despite the fact that you're literally watching people sitting around a table, rolling dice and playing a game. It's surprisingly story and narrative driven and character driven too. Um, So I would actually really like to see that as a movie. And I came to that because one of the guests that they had on once was actually the voice actor who voiced Aloy in Horizon Zero Dawn, which was my original answer, which is a narrative-based video game. Okay. It's a bit of a roundabout story. Yeah. No, that's that's a great answer. I mean, D&D campaigns are so full of and, like, rife with story and detail and characters and like oh, crazy yeah. moments you couldn't dream up in a writer's yeah. room like when a when a D campaign like when the story works and when the characters interact well with each other you get stuff that you just would not even imagine you could never have come up with it yeah sitting at a table with a pen and paper you couldn't dream it up 
But when it comes up organically in a game of D&D, it's usually pretty amazing. So you, do you think that, I mean, there must have been some D&D films in the past? There has, yes. I'm sure there are, but I, I, I want a video of this particular campaign that I've been watching on YouTube. Uh, okay. So it's a, yeah. this is a, that, right. Is, is it finished? Is it? It is. They, they I, I haven't finished watching it. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. Because the campaign went for a number of years. So, so I don't know. Maybe it might be better as a TV show. <laughs> yeah. But the, it, yeah, you'll have to fill in a, a, a bit of a daft old fella here. Mm-hmm. The, the games can change. You can have a multitude of different narratives. Yeah. So, oh, how do I explain? Do you have a vague so idea of Dungeons & Dragons, Grant? Yeah. No. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, this may take some time. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I'll leave you. Called Gary Gygax. And I he's think I've got more three. idea than you. But have you right. seen, have you seen um, oh, what was that show? Netflix. Uh, the Upside Down. Oh, uh, Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. No. <laughs> okay. Oh, seen oh, here, <laughs> speaking of Tom Hanks, though, he was in a film about a guy who lost his mind playing D and D. Speaking of Tom Hanks, what? Wait, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean, like thirty-five minutes ago? From Forrest Gump. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think it was called. It, it was a. Uh, it was something and something, but but not Dungeons and Dragons, like uh, wardrobes and fish or something like that. But I can't remember exactly, but. He lost his wig on this game, and yeah, and knobs and broomsticks. Of... I think you're thinking of. It's not. <laughs> it's not quite. Anyway, yeah. I, so I've seen a movie about a guy who wigs out on it, but I don't know much else about it. So I'll I'll send you a link to a video. Yeah, yeah well, I would. You may, yeah, you I'll may have, have seen that. like the worst introduction to Dungeons and Dragons imaginable. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. <clears throat> ben, let's go for it. Um, oh gosh, now I'm just thinking of D&D campaigns <laughs> um, that would be great to be adapted. Um, so I, I came up with two. So um, I'm the one who set the parameters for this. Mm-hmm. And um, I was asked the question if it could be video games. And I said non-narrative video games only. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And to, to that extent, uh, my answer is Tetris. And um, oh. this, this, actually, this, uh, this actually is a film idea I had years ago. Um, to do a biopic about the life of Alexei Pagetnov, who is the guy that created Tetris, um, okay. who was a, you know, in Soviet Russia, he was a uh, computer scientist who got a job at the uh, uh, Dorotsnin Computer Center, Computing Center, which is part of the uh, Soviet Academy of Sciences. And what he would do um when they were testing out new equipment is like they would have to like write little programs to test if the equipment worked properly and he would write games because he found the most interesting and tetris is one of the games that he wrote in code uh testing out one of these computer systems and i just think it's a really fascinating um story of someone working within you know this like monolithic um, political and social and cultural system who managed to, within that, find this room and this avenue for himself to create something which was totally antithetical in many ways to the overarching political ideology that informed its creation um, in that it is a thing purely uh, about fun. And, like, he he found this, like, yeah, way of creating something 
within what we think of as a very like monolithic and controlled system and there's kind of there's all this story about how it was like spread from computer scientist to computer scientist and how it made its way out into like the wider world and i think that's like quite a very like quite a fascinating story um and so that's that's one answer that i have for this Mm. question my other answer, and this is something that uh, I think Rolly, you suggested, not, sorry, not Rolly, um, uh, Grant, you suggested in looking at uh, feature articles as a, as a okay, means of getting yeah. away with uh, not, uh, you know, not, not, a, not something in a book. And there's this great <laughs> article from The New Yorker, which I love, called The, the Really Big One by Catherine Schulz. Uh, and I think it won the Pulitzer for like long form uh, article that year. And it's basically about this, um, what's called the Cascadia Subduction Zone, which is a tectonic plate in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, which we're kind of overdue for it causing probably the biggest earthquake and tsunami in recorded history. And, um, but it's like this beautifully written, incredibly informative piece of journalism. And what basically I would like to see is in the same way that Steven Soderbergh made um, Contagion, you know, a film about a huge disaster, but stripping out all of the, you know, the exciting elements of it. I want to see a disaster movie in the style of like New Yorker journalism. So it's like, it's not flashy, it's not showy. It's just like, it's about a catastrophic event, but is depicted in a very low key. I'm imagining like, Maybe directed by, um, oh, what's her name? She made Old Joy and First Cow. Um, oh, Kelly Reichardt? Kelly Reichardt. I would like to see Kelly Reichardt mm. direct this film about the largest earthquake in human history. Oh, wow. And so, of course, The Rock will star in it, right? Well, of course, <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> that's a given. All right. Well, interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, <clears throat> right. So, uh, here's mine. Um, I. I went for something, well, it's something I've been thinking of writing about because I, once I read about this guy, I thought, why, why haven't I I've not heard about this fellow before too much? I, I know the name, but I didn't know his background. Um, he's a German expressionist called Franz Mark um, who was involved in the Blue Rider group with Kandinsky. Um, oh, yeah. He's for, uh, Let me sort of trim it down a bit. I wrote a lot and I, I didn't need to. Um, He's had a. He didn't live very long. He died at thirty six. Um, he went to military academy for a year. Or he did a year's um, military. Then he went to art school. Went to Paris. He had a lot of affairs in his twenties. He as I said, there's a bit of uh, you know raunch in there. He um, made a bit of money from teaching uh, other art students about animal anatomy. So he did anatomy lessons, and they would all look at the inside of animals, and, and then he made his cash from that. Uh, then he, yeah, he got into a group that I can't pronounce called I don't know, German Arts and Health or whatever. Uh, they left, him and Kandinsky and a few others, August Mack, I think as well, left this group. Um, they thought it was too constrictive or something. So they joined, they made the Blue Rider group, which is all about colours and, you know, um, uh, emotions and all that sort of stuff. And he, when the First World War began, he signed up, I think, because his mate had already gone and he thought, yeah, he better do the right thing. Um, and halfway through, around 1916, the um, the German government decided, look, if there are many 
famous artists fighting at the moment, we should probably bring them back because that's part of our, our culture. We don't want them pegging it. And a week before the order got to him, he got hit in the head by a bit of shrapnel and died on the, the Battle of Verdun. Um, you think that's the end. That's the end of his life. But many years later, the, uh, those, those Nazi people condemned him as a degenerate artist and they put on this show with some of his art and some other people that they didn't like just as a bit of a, you know, look at these idiots and look how bad they are for the, for, for the Nazi party, etc. So he was, um, you know, he, he was pilloried in, in, in society. <clears throat> like, doesn't mean much to him. He's dead, right? But all his um, art was stripped from galleries and museums. One of them is still missing. It's called the Tower of Blue Horses. Uh, one of his most famous pictures. It went missing in '45. People think Goering had away with it, the cheeky bugger, and mm. they still haven't found it. So yeah, it's it's quite a quite a tale, I reckon, for this fella who only lived 36 years. But are you suggesting that nobody's written this book? Uh, it, it's not a film, as far as I can see. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, there'd be books about. I mean, that's how I got the the info. There are books about this character, but. Yeah. Oh, does that make it a book then? Is that, that have I gone? Book, well, it? I don't know. Oh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, I, I will just say. Have I blown I, it? <laughs> I hate to be a stickler for the rules here. <laughs> ben, you did come up with this this task. And oh, while you were ben... talking, I, I, I took it upon myself to look up the, uh, oh, the Tetris guy too. And um, <laughs> have you heard of a book called The Tetris Effect? Uh -oh. The game that hypnotized um... the world. We're rumbled, Ben. Yeah, the name sounds familiar. I've also played a game <laughs> called The Tetris Effect. Uh, I've not read The Tetris Effect. Um, yeah, no. It's a uh, good thing I provided a backup so, answer, though. Wait, 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 yeah, a minute. Exactly. wait a minute. The idea was no no narrative. I think these are not narratives. Oh, yeah, are they? see, like, specifically, it can't be a like, book. I'm not adapting the narrative of that book because I don't know what the narrative of that book is. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, but it's it's the story of uh, the Cold War story mm. of the birth of Tetris. He won't uh, let this go. He won't let this go, <laughs> will he, Ben? <laughs> um, all right. Um, anyway, let's move on. Let's let's move on to number four, uh, which is which is it comes from Dan, uh, a mate of mine from over in in Sydney. Uh, he says, "What musician should score a film?" Now it's a pretty basic question, but I, I'm guessing. He means uh, who hasn't already. So I kind of left it at that. But um, what, what did you guys think? Uh, let's go with Parasite again. Ah, um, I really <laughs> struggled with this one, mostly because yeah. my knowledge of musicians is not that great. Please don't stop talking to me, Rolly. <laughs> um, hey, no, no problem for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I honestly, my my musical knowledge is not best so i really struggled with this question i ended up coming up with an answer which is very much not a serious answer but again going with a youtube channel um have you guys ever heard of a group called two set violin no i don't think no. so um so it's a couple of guys who were in the uh, i think the brisbane symphony orchestra um, possibly Queensland as well. I mean, sorry, Queensland is Brisbane. Possibly Sydney as well. Yeah. Um, and they're two violin players, and they basically quit um, 
playing in these orchestras to start a YouTube channel about playing violin. And a lot of their content is very funny and irreverent, but a lot of it is quite instructional as well. Um, mm. And I, I just find them really entertaining. And so that's my answer. I want them to score a film because I think it would okay. be entertaining. What are they called? Two... Two Set Violin. Two Set Violin. Okay. Yeah, cool. All right. Nice one. Thank you. Ben, how about you? Okay. So I um, I also had a bit of trouble with this question. I was, well, A, a because uh, a lot of my favorite artists have already done soundtracks to films. But yeah. um, I kind of went down, I've been watching a lot of like drumming technique videos <laughs> on YouTube recently. And so I kind of went down okay. this... Um, line of different drummers that I really like, um, including like Greg Saunier of Deerhoof and Zach Hill of Hella and uh, Damon Shea of Don Cavallero, who all do very um, kind of like what, what's called like math rock drumming, which is basically jazz, but like more uh, rigid um, and, you know, you faster. Did math rock? Math rock. That's a genre. You can. I'm not going <laughs> to do rock right now. Nerdy. It's like yeah. It's like jazz played by people who uh, don't have any sense of rhythm. And um, <laughs> isn't that all? Isn't that all jazz? Um. And then I was thinking. Um, uh, I mean, he technically has done a score to a experimental film called Rubber Johnny, the Aphex Twin. Uh, I oh, think yeah. he could potentially That's, do. I have seen that. Um, oh, you've seen like... that? Yeah, Robert, yeah, Robert Johnny. Yeah, Robert yeah. Johnny's a, a 13 minute film you can stick on while you're high with your mates. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think he could do something akin to like what 10 Tricks Point never did with um, the soundtrack to Uncut Gems and um, Good Time, the, the two Safety oh, Brothers okay. films. Yeah. But then that reminded me of another composer uh, who I'm quite interested in a guy by the name of Colin Nancaro. And uh, he was a composer in like the 30s and 40s who composed for player piano and would write songs that no human being could play because he was using a mechanical you know, system to create, you know, musical notation faster than a human being could do. And I was listening to a bit of his work recently and I think you could make a really good like neo-noir or film noir throwback film to someone losing their mind uh, to the soundtrack of a piano being played at like 300 beats per minute. <laughs> right. Okay. I feel good about that answer. I feel like, can I, can I springboard off that one? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, go for it. I, I can't follow it, so hopefully you can. So I think, uh, ben, didn't you mention that a non-human thing in there somehow? Mm. Yep, yep. Play as piano. Well. I, I, for some reason, this is where my mind went, is like musicians that maybe don't know they're musicians yet because I couldn't think of a well-known musician that maybe hasn't done a score, uh, you know, like for something, you know. So I was just trying to think outside the box a little. I, I, my head just went to uh, elephants and monkeys. Let's get some animals. <laughs> Let's uh, hang some uh, uh, bamboo kind of um, bells from trees and have the elephants walk through the forest hitting these things and they're making like a gam a big gamelan sort of sound mm. and maybe the monkeys could be on the back sort of riding the elephants. And, so instead of monkeys on typewriters, you'd put them on keyboards. Yeah, the monkeys are the conductors. 
Mm. They're riding the elephants, and the, the elephants are, are walking past, swinging against the bells. I think that'd make a really interesting, interesting soundtrack. Yeah. Non-human. Um, I mean, that but, could just be the film as well. Mm, that yeah. could be the yeah. film. It could be the film too. But uh, the other one, which I actually thought of earlier, but I prefer the animal idea, was to um, was to have Bill Clinton do a like really dark saxophone kind of film noir detective, maybe hopefully with a bit of sci-fi in there, soundtrack. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, bollocks. Um, okay. What's wrong with that? What is bollocks about that? No, I'm talking about the progression from the, the people, the violin people I've never heard of, Ben's fucking weird nutty shit and your fucking monkeys and Bill Clinton. And... Now I come to, uh, what about Jarvis Cocker? <laughs> oh, that's so boring. There, see, I'm telling you, I should have gone first. Fuck it. You should have. You should have um, uh, timed it that way. Look, I, I just went I went mainstream. I wanted to find people I liked who hadn't made um, any scores yet. And so I wanted to do Patton, Mike Patton from Faith No More, but he's done a few I didn't know. Um, yeah. yeah so I, it, it's him. Doing a kind of I don't know. Can I ask an English? Is, sorry to interrupt. Go is on. the name of this podcast mm. taken? Is it a play on the pulp song Misshapes? No, no. Oh, okay. It's it's a no. It, it comes from somebody misspelling my name on a payslip as Grant Shape instead of <laughs> Grant Shape. Anyway. All right. Well, I'm um, glad I asked that question. Yeah. Uh, no, no. But I do like that song. Yeah, that's a good song. Um. I, th I think he could do a kind of, I don't know, Sheffield, like a little bit of a full Monty sort of style film. Um, he was, I think his band played in one of the Harry Potter movies, didn't they? Yes, it was, the I think it was Jarvis really? Cocker and somebody else were hmm. the like the in-world band that played at Hogwarts one time. That's right, yeah. yeah. During the ball. Oh, he's got a bit of it about. I imagine, I think so. I imagine Shady, yeah. there'd, be a, there'd be a bit of a, a football scene or two in this film as well. Uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, so either him or maybe Ali Jackson from La Rue. I quite like her stuff as well. So, and I don't think she's done any films. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry to end it on. I mean, I like <laughs> your, your guys, and I end up with that sort of you know straight down the line stuff. Well, hey, Jarvis Cocker, yeah. great. He is. He is great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for getting me out of it <laughs> a little. You wanna, what about the reserve question? Why don't we I, end up with the reserve question? Do you want to? Yeah. Really quick. We don't have to. Okay. Yeah, no explanation. Just, the say, just say the names. <laughs> okay. Let's bang right. out this one. Okay. So I'm going first in this in case mine are terrible. Okay. So this question from my sister, Deanne, uh, she says, who do you think is the best on-screen duo? Um, I didn't know what she meant. So I was kind of just, I think she's talking about a romantic sort of thing or some just chemistry, but I went with um, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. From Spaced and The World's End and Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, etc. Um, if not them, Bogey and Bacall are crackers. So, but I'll go with Peg and Frost. Um, Rolly, how about you? All right, I'm going to um, offset that with some Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. <laughs> I love those guys together. This is why you wanted the to chemistry. Do this. The chemistry. The other guys was great. <laughs> No comment. Yeah. Uh, ben, uh, speaking ben, of, hey, speaking of Ted, um, William, Bill oh. S. Preston Esquire, and Ted Theodore Logan. Bill what? and Ted, my man. What? Bill and Ted. Oh, okay. So, 
So Reeves and Winter, is that them? Is that uh, Bill and Ted? Yeah, yes. Keanu Reeves and yeah, yeah, uh, okay. Alex Winter. Here's, interestingly, I've never seen any of those films either. Here's that going back to number one. Mm -hmm. so. oh, check out number three. Number three? No, I haven't, I haven't seen number three. three. Number one <laughs> okay, is good. all time. All right, nice. Um, I'm, I'm so glad we went in this order. Speaking of Bill and Ted, I went with Keanu Reeves <laughs> and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, really? mm -hmm. oh, I rewatched oh, I re yeah. Speed recently, oh. and that movie is a joy to watch because they're just so much fun together on screen. I haven't seen, what is it, The Lake House that they did together, but oh, romance yeah. is not really my genre. Um, but I would love to see the two mm. of them in either an action or a sci-fi or something like that again. Yeah, okay. I, I don't have any time at all for Bullock, but I, I don't mind Reeves. Oh, I quite like I mean, both of them. He's not a great actor, but yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, guys, thank you. That, that was um, that was a long one, and there were some, some gems <laughs> in there. <laughs> so thank you very much, everybody. Uh, thanks, Barazad. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thanks, Rolly. This is a very formal individual <laughs> thank yous. Thank you. <laughs> and I'll see you all next time. Thank perhaps. you, Shady. Oh, Bye. no, thank, thank you. Bye, everyone. See Bye. You. Bye. Oh, well, um, should we do the intro? Yeah, all right. Yeah, um, sure. How do you want to do it? Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Welcome to... Uh, welcome to Film Shapes. Yeah, maybe Film and Shapes can be split. The film. So someone says to... I'll say to film. Okay. <laughs> I'll say shape. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll go... I'll give it the welcome. And then, Ben, that means you're doing the podcast. The thing. The role I was born to play. That's the one. <laughs>